you are capable, you have the abilities, and you absolutely deserve to be in every single room that you're in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast, powered by The Boss Up Inc. On this podcast, we discuss all things relating to career, social media, influencer marketing, and what it really takes for you to create your mark in today's digital landscape. I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, founder and CEO of The Boss Up Inc. Hey guys, welcome back to the Currently Bossing Podcast. I am your host, Brittany Nicole, founder and CEO of The Boss Up Inc. Today, we're chatting with the queens of all things career, Sydney and Maya of Corporate and Color. Sydney and Maya are two Chicago-based professionals breaking into our industries, but not our budget when it comes to style. After meeting in college, go Illini, they bonded over their love for fashion and getting the best deals. As they started their career, they saw a need for more affordable workwear options and authentic voices in the workplace. At Corporate and Color, they inspire the modern-day working professional to live their corporate lives in color and in style. From law offices to startups, you'll find style inspiration guaranteed to command the room. Sydney and Maya, welcome to the show. So, Sydney and Maya, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast because I know that this episode is going to drop so many gems for our listeners, especially as it relates to career, all things career. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're definitely happy to be here. Yes. So excited to get into this conversation with you. Yes. And I also want to add that like this episode has kind of like a special excitement because we all went to the same school and so I feel like we're all connected in that way and have watched each other like grow into our separate career paths and so it's excited to even see it from that viewpoint. Definitely I totally agree like ILL, I and I all in the house. I cannot believe that it's been at least five years, a little bit over five years now I'm thinking. Um, and all our careers have just taken us in in different routes and different navigations. So it's you know always great to see a fellow Illinois uh, graduate blossoming. Yeah, and it's really scary to think about that five year mark. But um, speaking of career, I always love to start talking about career journey. And so if you guys can take us through kind of just like your career path, um, I know we'll talk about it later on the show. But give us a brief um, top line overview. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll start, Sydney, if you don't mind. This is Maya, everyone. So my career path has actually been pretty interesting. After graduation, I started in sales um, and then I moved into logistics. It literally just kind of landed in my lap. So I worked in logistics for about maybe a total of five or six years before I decided to really take the reins of my career and go after my passion of writing. So I am very happy to say now that I've recently pivoted my career into a copywriting role. So I do digital copywriting as of now, and I'm really excited about it, really loving it. That's awesome. Can you uh, really quickly, before we get to Sydney, can you give us, I guess, like an overview of what logistics is, just in case someone doesn't know? Like, what does that look like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there are different types of logistics. But what I did, I worked for food and beverage companies pretty much my entire career in logistics. So my role was making sure deliveries got from point A to point B on time, fully intact. So managing different regions, several states at a time, making sure that we were on the same page as warehousing. And if there were any special projects where Like if someone needed more of a specific food item for a promotion, I managed the logistics of that to make sure we pulled it off smoothly. Got it. That's awesome. And it's really cool how you're you were able to transform your job to more like digital marketing, copywriting. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And on my end, this is Sydney, everyone. Um, I started off in a similar path from Maya. I did um, sort of like 
commercial real estate for about the first year. And I was like, this is not it. So fortunately, I had a mentor at the company that I was working with when I first graduated. And he helped me get a job at a big food and beverage um, consumer products group um, mm-hmm. or consumer products organization that's probably in your cabinets. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started off into my sales career there. And then about two and a half years in, I was like, mm, sales is okay, but I think I want to do this. And my previous company was very um, supportive in me trying out a new role. So then that's how I ended up in the learning and development space, which eerily is very similar to running a blog on career advice, but, um, you know, career advice and corporate style. But then um, I moved into a learning development consulting role with a big four agency here in Chicago. So it's definitely had some ups and downs and some unexpected twists and turns. But overall, I think it's really important for young women and, of course, young black women to really understand that you're in charge of your career. And like if you want to do something, you have to speak up and say, I want to try something else. And that's exactly what I did. And I've been very fortunate to have people in my corner that supported those different moves and those different interests. I love that because I feel like when you are kind of like going through the motions of career, when you are doing something that you're figuring out you don't really like, kind of your first mindset is, I'm going to find a new job instead of figuring out a better solution at the job you're currently at. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, Speaking of kind of just like career journey, when it comes to knowing what you even wanted to do, did you know that in college? Like, what was your major? For me, it was definitely a hard no. I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. Um, Maya and I are both communication majors. I have an English minor. Um, So I knew I wanted something that required a little bit of like flexibility. I didn't want to be stuck like, okay, if I'm going to be a... um, I don't know, like an accountant, I knew I'd be stuck being an accountant. And I was like, I'm not really messing with that. So I went a bit more of a general route. And it's actually worked out well, because I wish that I would have learned more about what was available. Like I would have definitely picked the career that I'm in now five years ago. And just knowing that I would have been, you know, I'm doing well in it. I enjoy it. I like the work. But you just don't know what's out there because you just don't know. And, And your visibility is a little bit foggy there. Maya, what about you? I can agree with that. I think in college, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And that was based on some some of the activities I was involved in. So I had planned a few different events on campus and I really enjoyed doing that. So um, like Sydney said, the communication major did allow for a lot of flexibility. So I was like, okay, I enjoy event planning. You have to communicate with people. It also incorporates a little bit of sales, which I had done um, like with my job in college too. So Mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to do planning. And then when that didn't work out, I kind of dropped the idea of doing that because I was like, okay, these people want you to do a ton of work for little of no money. And it was, it's like, it wasn't really worth it to me. And, and conjunction with that, I was also a young single mom. So I knew I didn't have the ability to be away from my then baby to work on the weekends, work crazy hours. So I kind of had to reassess and uh, take my career in a different direction from there. Like Sydney said, if I had known that there were so many options out there, I would have jumped into the career that I'm in now sooner. I would say probably about halfway through my career is when I started to discover roles like copywriting, Um, because Mm. you don't always hear about these jobs that seem really small, but there's actually so much you can do with them. And you also don't realize all of the different moving parts that go into producing the end product. So that's something that I wish I knew about too. It's not just C-level executive, manager, the lines are really blurred, especially now there are so many different career paths out there. So it did take me some time, some trial and error. But um, honestly, I would say that I'm all the better for it. I do just wish that I had had a little bit more information, like stepping into my career from day one. Yeah, I definitely couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, Even just looking at how much schools are evolving. I feel like they have like social media classes and all these other things. And I'm like, we definitely didn't have that um, as a major. And so that's really cool. 
um, that you were able to at least figure it out. So for both of you guys, what was your, I guess, defining moment? The moment where you knew like, okay, I want to take my career in this route or, you know, I want to start our blog platform and I want to bring women together. So what was that, I guess, like aha moment for you all? I'm looking at Maya. Maya's looking at me and we're like smiling at each other. Um, (laughs) I think for my career, the pivotal moment came probably about two and a half years in. And I was just like, I think this is what I want to do. And I really had that experience. I I knew enough to say, okay, like I know I can make a career out of this, but that's the boring stuff. The blog stuff is way more fun. (laughs) Um, So we started Corporate in Color. It used to be called Classic City Chic in 2014. And it truly came from a need for us to be creative. And what we were seeing in the blogging world at that time, the people didn't look like us. And a lot of times while the clothes were great, and I always say this when I speak, you know, to to why we started Corporate in Color, the clothes were great, but they were wearing Gucci and Dior. I don't have that. I'm 23. I am poor AF. Like I have no money. Um, And then on top of that, they were just, I was like, wow, that's a beautiful, you know, formal dress, but I can't wear that to work. And I felt that there was a huge hole in the space of fun, like corporate wear that was like letting you look good and feel good and feel confident in who you're like putting forth in the office. So I think when we started talking to it, I think we all dabbled and said, you know, maybe we should do um, casual as well. But I really felt that there was a need for you know, corporate style, because people were going into work. The day-to-day folks, while there are plenty of influencers to choose from, but the day-to-day folks, our followers and the people who are in our community, they're working. They might be nurses, they might be accountants, they might be businesswomen, they might be creatives, but they're going, typically they're going into office spaces, not so much now, so that's a bit of a change, but um, they were going into office spaces and very tired of the camisole cardigan ballet flats and like jeans looks. So we took it upon ourselves to really put our own personal style and our own personal spin into what is corporate wear. Unfortunately, it was just really well received and we've been growing slowly but surely and steadily over the past, what year is it? Seven years, I can't believe it's been seven years. A couple of rough upstarts and, you know, going back and forth with a will we, won't we kind of thing. Um, But I think it's definitely worked out for the best and you know, we love getting the little messages from everyone where they're like, they're just like, you know, I love this dress that you posted. It's so fun. I didn't think I could wear something like this to work. And in reality, in reality, yes, you can. You can wear something like this to work. I think that's awesome. Go ahead, Maya. Um, no, I was going to say for my career, I will say that in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted to do something different than what I was doing. For me, the challenge was my actual work history on my resume didn't align with what I felt I wanted to do deep inside. So what my tactic initially was always get into the door of a company doing what you know how to do, what your job history says you know how to do rather, and then kind of, you know, stay there, do well, work your way up and try to change um, positions from within the company. I tried to do that twice. Both times it failed. (laughs) It was interesting because in both situations, the first company I worked for, they dissolved our department and the options were either take a severance package or move to Texas. I could not up and move to Texas, didn't really want to. And then the second time I tried to do that, they outsourced my department to um, like an external logistics company um, for financial reasons. I believe. So both times that kind of fell flat. So I did have to, I tried to work my way up and make that pivot within the companies I was working for, but that route didn't really work out in my favor. So for me, the change companies was a little bit of a necessity. But for the blog, I'm going to bring something up that Sydney may or may not remember, but she had been trying to start a blog since we were in a modeling troupe in college. Mm -hmm. Like, that was her little brainchild. She was like, we should do a blog. We can show people like the outfits that we wear are just little day-to-day things we do as college students. So she, we tried to do it. I don't think it really went anywhere at the time. But when we graduated, we were like, okay, it's the two of us. Like we can do this. We can make this into something. We can make it happen. And like she said, we did 
try a few more like casual things. But along the way, we realized that we really did have to define our niche in order to get the community that we have today. So I'm really happy that we decided to um, just kind of hone in on what makes us us. Because all the time at work, people will be like, oh, where'd you get this? Your outfit is so cute, blah, blah, blah. So it's like when you can share that on the blog and tell people, I have a blog, you can read this blog post, check it out and, you know, find out what I'm wearing. That's always like nice too when it translates into real life as well. Yeah, I I just want to say that I really have enjoyed seeing you all grow and like transform your community. Uh, It's been so great to see you guys add like other fun elements like now like videos and reels and things like that. And so it's like good to see your community reacting well to that. Um, So amazing. And another important thing that I feel like you mentioned is kind of like targeting, defining a niche, right? Like you saw a gap in the industry and you decided to fill it. And I feel like that's something that people don't really think about when they're formulating something. They just kind of say, I want to do this, but like what value are you putting out in the universe? Um, How can you better make it better? Um, So it's really good that you guys did that. Talking about post-graduation. So uh, obviously, you know, you're in your major, you're about to graduate, you're thinking about jobs. What did the job searching phase look like for you? Um, I know for me, I was so overwhelmed. I was just like, okay, grad school. And so that was kind of like my immediate thought, which I feel like it gave me some cushion to think about, which after grad school, I moved to New York after like right away. Um, So what was it like for you? Um, Okay. So fun fact, I actually started college as a business major. Mm. So I joined LinkedIn probably when it was like in its super, super early days, because that's what they wanted us to do as young professionals. So when I graduated, I did go back to LinkedIn and look at job boards. At the time, I actually graduated in the fall semester. So I still had time left on the lease of my apartment and I was looking for mostly jobs in Champaign so I could so I didn't have to break my lease and deal with all of the back and forth with that. But it was a challenge because I didn't really have a clear direction of what I wanted to do. And applying for a job is a job in itself. I know that's a cliche that everyone kind of uses, but it truly is because you have to make sure your resume is tailored properly. You have to actually search for jobs and read through the descriptions to make sure it suits what you're looking for. So it is very, very time consuming. Um, So for me, job hunting right after graduation was kind of scary. Honestly, it was a little bit scary um, and it was also very overwhelming. And one thing I wish I had done then is reach out more to the people in my network to see to kind of put some feelers out and to see if they could either recommend companies or if the company they worked for had any job openings. And I think that would have mitigated some of the like cold calling, so to speak, I was doing with job hunts because at some point I got desperate and I was like, okay, I need a job because that's what the expectation is. You graduate college, you get a job. And since I had that level of desperation and I was just looking for something, I took the first thing that came along and I would not recommend doing that to anyone. So that was, that was my experience in a nutshell. Yeah. And I think mine was kind of similar um, I did a couple of job fairs at U of I um, and, and meeting people in that capacity is just so overwhelming. It is a madhouse. When you walk into that gym, there's all those science fair project booths and they're yeah. like throwing balls and pins at you. And I'm like, what do you guys even do? Like, I was so confused and I was just like, this is not it. And I read heavily as an introvert. So doing the like going up to people and I can do that if I need to, but I prefer not. I prefer to have like more deep, deeper connections with folks on like a one-to-one less hectic environment. So yeah, that was just a mess. Um, But I kind of ended up like Maya a little bit. I took something that I knew wasn't going to be, I knew I wasn't going to be there long-term, but I was like, you got to do something. You got to get some skills. I held a bunch of internships and I did work my senior year in college in the, um, you know, they said, do you want to stay here? And I was like, I don't think I want to stay here. I'd rather move back to Chicago, just where there's going to be more opportunities because I knew that I wasn't going to be there long term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll agree with Maya and just say that nurturing your network and really, especially if you're in college now, like 
your professors, I feel so bad. Your professors are like super lonely in like the nicest way, but they are there to help you. I wish I would have talked to my professors more and just said like, hey, can you recommend me for this? Or even just something as small as going to office hours, even when you don't have a question. It's really just about building that relationship and networking with them so they can say, even at the very least, like this person is still, they're very smart they're persistent and they're friendly. Like what somebody, at least someone won't say that you're mean on your, you know, reference or something like that. But then the great thing also about networks is not only is it your network, but your network has network. And that's mm-hmm. something that Ryan and I talk about a lot. So when I came to my previous company um, in the food and beverage world, it wasn't my network that had that. It was my network's network. So my mentor knew somebody that worked there that was able to help me get that role. Um, mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. So definitely leveraging your network. And I think you'll be more more pleased with the role that you get as opposed to just throwing your name out into Indeed or Glassdoor or LinkedIn, you know, just throwing your resume out there. I definitely think your network carries a bit more weight and it kind of removes a couple of the those sort of tactical barriers that you have to go through, sort of that the little minutiae of everything. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, before we kind of continue this conversation about networking, especially with everything going on now and like remote um, working, I definitely like I want to say don't throw your resume out there on Indeed. Um, during my job searching process before I moved to New York, my dad was helping me find jobs on Indeed and he was like putting my resume everywhere. And one day I got a random call like, hey, this is um in regards to the bus driver position. I'm like, who applied for that? Like, and so I was like, OK, dad, you can't help me anymore because you're just applying to a bunch of random jobs and not reading. So definitely don't be desperate. I know my first job, my first full-time job was in the appliance e-commerce world. And I was like doing marketing for appliances. And I knew that I was not going to be there long, but sometimes you do have to take that stepping stone to propel you into what you really want to do. So sometimes you have to do it. Um, But talking about networking in this day and age, it feels very... um, scary to network, especially virtually, right? So people are having to come up with creative ways to network. What advice do you have for um, college students or post-college grads who are trying to figure out how to land jobs and network, but they're not really sure how to go about that? Yeah, I think this could be a separate full session because I have so many thoughts um, on networking. And you're right, Brittany, it is so difficult to network now that you're not there aren't networking there used to be like networking events there was like a chicago's network and a black women professional women's network and you know all the marketers network there were all these re, um, places that you could kind of tap into and it is difficult now but i would just say that you really have to be um specific about who you want to network with as opposed to just casting your net wide but really work on finding somebody that share like that you have something in common with LinkedIn is good. We have a full post on like how not to do it because some folks are just like, hey, can I have this job? And it's like, I haven't spoken to you in six years. I have no clue who you are. What are you doing? What are you up to? Um, And I think being a little bit more tact and just, you know, it's probably going to be like an hour, hour and a half of your time over a span of a month or three months or something to just start, you know, planting those seeds and being a bit more um, intentional about the folks that you're reaching out to. Uh, Social media is great as well. I think we're getting past the, I'm not saying like slide into a company's DM. I'm not saying that by any means, but if you find someone who works there that you admire, maybe you start to, you know, comment on their posts and engage with them and ask them questions, even just so that they start to know who you are. And you might, you know, get lucky. It might take a little bit of effort, but good things come, you know, to those who wait and like, you have to put the work in. So I think being able to um, just start, like I said, laying those seeds and starting to slowly but surely build that relationship. And for folks who are in companies now, um, I have like a 15 minute catch up with my manager every week. And then I try to do like one of those with someone that I don't know or someone that I'm in a book club with because we all have um, a lot of companies will have. Black Women's Network or Women's Network, the LGBTQ community has something, um, the list goes on. But even just saying, hey, I saw you were on this email. Can I get to learn more about what you do? It's that simple. People are nine out of 10 times, they are more than happy to help you. Um, And it's really just about, like I said, building relationships, 
with in in kind of going in without expecting anything. I think that's really important. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, let's, uh, hi, hello, my name is so-and-so. I want the job right now. And it's like, whoa there, like, I need to get to know you first. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I would also say that I know now we're in a world of what seems to be an overload of virtual events, like people hosting, like the Zoom fireside chats and things like that, because companies, they don't really know they don't know what to do now. Like all those things that they used to do in person, they now have to carry over into the digital world. But honestly, I would say attend some of those. If you know that it's going to be a relatively small group, whether it is, you know, your company or whether, you know, someone at your school who's putting on a virtual event, I would say go because that's another way to network. You get to know people and maybe after that event, you know, you find someone who does something that piques your interest or someone who you're like, oh, OK, I think, you know, they would be a good a good person just to get to know. You can then reach out to them on social media and say, hey, saw that you were either in this event or you were speaking for this event, you know, would love to catch up with you one on one sometimes and, you know, do your virtual coffee coffee dates and things like that, Um, because it's not always just about having a network to get a job immediately. Like Sydney said, you're planting those small seeds. So it really is about building some level of a personal relationship with someone. Everybody doesn't have to be your best friend. That's nearly impossible. Like we all have our own separate lives. But if you if you find someone who you feel like you can connect with, then um, reach out to them and take the time, whether it's once a week, once every other week, once a month to build that relationship. And then eventually, you know, you don't have to check in with them all the time, but that relationship could culminate into something. I met a girl, we went to a conference maybe like five years ago at this point, sat next to a girl. We had to do like a little uh, icebreaker exercise together. After we connected on LinkedIn, we will still reach out to each other. She'll still reach out to me and say, hey, I remember you said you wanted to do X, Y, Z. You know, my company has this job open or I'm hosting this event. Like we can still reach out to each other. And she's part of my network now. It may be it may not be someone that I speak with often, but we know what the other can bring to the table so we can pull each other into different events. Or if there's a job opening, we can call on each other for those types of things. And I think that's really cool, too. I love that. That's really what it's all about. And I know that sometimes people get a little, I guess, a little timid, like outreaching to people on LinkedIn. Um, And I know that a lot of people have, you know, so many outreach emails in or messages in on their LinkedIn. So they probably don't get to everyone. But a few other resources that I love is the Girl Boss Network community. I feel like I've been connecting with people on there a lot, especially during this time. And also, um, I fund women of color. They have really a really great community and really great resources. Um, so if you kind of don't want to reach out to someone on LinkedIn, tap into some of those other networks too, Facebook groups. I mean, there's literally a group for everything. So don't be scared to do that. So let's talk about when you outreach to someone or you are in the process of getting a job. Let's talk about following up because What I'm seeing in the younger generation, and I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but they do not send follow-up emails. I won't say all of them, but I'm getting the fact that some of them don't maybe know the etiquette of, you know, saying thank you after a job. But what are your thoughts and is it really important to companies? Absolutely. I will honestly say I think thank you emails helped me land my current job, to be 100% honest. Um, It's valuable because especially as you're moving into those more competitive rounds, your second, third round interviews, those thank you emails help set you apart. And speaking from experience, there have been times where even if I didn't get a job right away, that person may have remembered me from my thank you email and they may tap into me later. They may come back and say, oh, hey, I remember you applied for XYZ job. Is this still something that you would be interested in? Um, But From my most recent interview process, I had the email address for one person in the company. I found a way to find the email addresses for the other four people who interviewed me. And what I did was you want to, of course, say thank you, maybe lay out one or two lines as to why you're really excited about this position. And I remembered one small tidbit from each of those conversations that I had 
And I threw that in there because it doesn't feel generic. Like you just ask Gmail to, or like how LinkedIn has those pre-generated messages. I don't really like those. So you want to be personable. Something like someone said it was snowing. Hope the snow clears up. You know, I know you want to stay warm. Or if someone mentioned, someone mentioned it was a daughter's birthday. Hope your daughter has a great birthday. Thank you for your time. Those small messages go a long way. And not only does it show your appreciation for their time, if you do get the job, now you've already planted some seeds. You have some people that you can connect with within a company because typically a panel interview, it may be people within different departments who are interviewing you. So now you have some connections. And when you start your first day, it's not quite as scary because you remember, oh, hey, I remember me and this person engaged a little bit in a brief conversation. And it just takes um, a level of intimidation out of it. But I absolutely think the thank you emails are still alive and well. So please send thank you emails after your interviews. Totally agree. And Brittany, you said the younger generation. I was like, is that not me anymore? But definitely echo Maya's statements. Thank you emails are a must. And then um, just to add to that, I, I think it's very thoughtful if you can just add a, an additional question that might have popped up. If there's not one, no big deal. But if you're able to show you're thinking through or even thinking through like a problem that they might have shared, one of my favorite questions um, to ask in interviews is, you know, what if, what would be expected of me in my first six months or what what problems are you hoping to solve your first six, my first six months here? Um, and then being able to provide some insight or maybe it is a um, maybe it is an article um, that you read that applies to what they're trying to do. So I think that can be helpful as well. Yes, for sure. Um, Gen Z. Yes. Let me be specific because I feel like sometimes I sound like a grandma when I'm like the young, the younger generation. Um, But that's probably because I have younger brothers, too, and I'm talking specifically about them. Um, But yes, so it's definitely important. I know some um, colleagues that I have, they actually used to send actual thank you notes in the mail, um, which I feel like adds just another level of like personal touch. I mean, I remember when I went to the actual company to deliver the thank you notes um, because I really, really wanted the job. But yeah, whatever you can do to add a personal touch to it, I feel like it's great. It's really great that you guys mentioned that. Um, But I guess before you even get to the thank you, what are some interview tips, some do's and don'ts that you think about, or even like some past mistakes that you've made where you're like, crap, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or I probably should have prepared a little bit more before I said that. So I would say one, one thing that first comes to mind is don't try to make up answers. If you don't know the answer to something, it is okay um, to say that as opposed to trying to make something up to make yourself seem qualified and then you wind up getting called out because your response was wrong or whatever the case may be. Or if you need clarity, it's okay to ask for clarity. Like, oh, I didn't quite understand the question. Could you rephrase? Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to think about a response. I think so I think I read somewhere that Americans don't like silence. Like we feel really awkward if there's silence in a conversation. So we're always trying to fill the space with words. It's okay. It's okay if you need a few seconds to regroup, to think about what your response should be. And that helps you eliminate the place fillers like saying, um, a whole lot. I know we're all, most of us are guilty of it, but if you take the time to stop and think that helps eliminate some of those fillers that we tend to use. I would say be tactful about asking hard questions or more serious questions about salary and things like that. It's it's an it's an art form because you may not want to ask about things like that in the very first interview, but at some point you know that's going to be part of your decision making process. So it is important to bring it up at some point, but I would say gauge the conversation to see when you can bring up things like salary or benefits or if there's a bonus structure. And I'm drawing a blank. So I'm going to let Sydney jump in. And if I have anything else, I will um, add my final thoughts. Yeah, I think some of the better interviews that I've had, I've definitely prepped for them. I think a lot of us, I'm definitely one to just kind of do it on the fly. Um, but when I was interviewing for my role that I'm in now, 
um, I really wanted this job and I really wanted to work with this company. I tell you, I was reciting questions and answers in the bathroom in front of the mirror. I was doing the whole nine because I really wanted to have this work out. Unfortunately, it did. Um, but don't be shy about practicing. And then one of my favorite tips is to a lot of times like interview questions are pretty standard. It's the HR person has handed a bunch of questions to the manager and they're going to read you this, this list of questions. There might be some, you know, um, really unique ones on there, but more than likely, they're probably the same. So yeah. I always try to come up with two or three really impactful things that I did in my previous uh, role or in my experience in general and work on how to like continuously share those in a way that makes sense. So I'm trying, I'm trying to remember one of the like one of the questions was, how did you have a positive impact on your team? And so you always want to kind of have that standard, not a standard answer, but just something that you can continuously revisit. That's kind of a foundation or like a defining moment within your career. And I think that's been very helpful um, as well. And I will say this is for all the black girls out there. Go ahead and rock your natural hair. It has helped me more than it has hurt me. I guarantee it. The first role that um, for this job that I interviewed in. I interviewed with another black woman and later she told me after I joined the company, she was like, I'm so glad you showed up as your natural hair. That's one of the reasons that we loved you. Like we love that you brought your full self to work because that was something that they always harp on, like bringing your full self to work. Um, and she was like, you just look so confident and we were so excited to have someone with your confidence and your, um, you know, just, just being yourself. And I think that's still really important. They don't want a bunch of robots. Um, hopefully the positions that folks are interviewing for are not robot jobs, but they want people who are going to bring in different experience um, and, and be able to leverage that experience in their new role. And I'll also add that don't be shy to share. And I think Maya will attest to this. Don't be afraid to share anything else that you're doing outside the workplace. The mm -hmm. me just saying I write a blog on the side and we've you know grown followers. A lot of people can't do that. Folks who are further along in their career, like my mom barely knows how to barely knows how to use Instagram. Mm -hmm. She takes a picture of an Instagram post with her other phone and sends it to me. She can't do this for <laughs> like she's struggling. But the like there is money there. There are there's skill there. There's the like, okay, wow, this person has been writing for the past six years. That means they're consistent. And they, they probably will go check out your blog, um, depending on, you know, if it's interesting or what, what kind of space it's in, if it's relatable. Um, but that's still part of your experience. Things that you do on the side are still part of your holistic career experience. That's such a great point. I always make sure to say to people, like, don't feel like you ever have to dumb yourself down for a job, like, or dumb down whatever it is that you're doing. Like, you should be proud of what you're doing, just like you should be proud to, to rock your natural hair. Um, and I know that sometimes there's just like an overall confidence level of feeling like if I say this, maybe they'll think I'm doing too much or not able to handle the job. So completely agree. Um, one of the things that I kind of wanted us to branch into, and I feel like it was great that you mentioned the natural hair, um, because I also feel like I kind of want to ask, too, like, what was your defining moment of realizing that it is more than okay to rock your natural hair without feeling like you're going to be judged and kind of tying that into imposter syndrome and how to get over feeling like you're not qualified on top of feeling like you have to hide your true self and maybe your natural hair in the workplace. I have a story about this that actually this was one of the first times we talked about natural hair on the blog. I shared this story it was the summer after my freshman year of college. I had just gotten um, or I was working on getting a summer job in Chicago. That was the only summer I ever came back home for work. And my friend's mom told me about a program that was hiring young, you know, young students to do office work and things like that. And at the time, I had just started experimenting with wearing my hair natural, like not applying heat or anything like that. So I don't so looking back, I look kind of crazy in some of those pictures, but it's a journey um, and I appreciate it. So when I filled out the application, her mom was like, you know, maybe you should straighten your hair for this job interview. 
um, because, you know, they people have different perceptions about natural hair. You want to make sure you look really polished. You want to make sure that they see that you're serious about the job. And my mom kind of echoed those sentiments, too. At the time, it was 2011. So natural hair was just starting to become, quote unquote, a thing again. And I struggled with it. I struggled with it so much because I was in a space where I didn't want to straighten my hair because I knew I wanted to grow my hair. I knew I wanted to maintain my hair's health and I had been experiencing some heat damage. So I didn't want to revert back to that just to please somebody. Like I really felt like if they don't want me wearing my natural hair, like I don't want this job. I felt really strongly about it. So I I kind of internally um, struggled with making that decision. But ultimately, as like the most I can do is to do like some twists, pull my hair into a bun. Like I'll make sure my hair is off my face for the purpose of the interview, but I'm not going to straighten my hair. I stuck to my guns. And honestly, it worked out in my favor. Like Sydney mentioned before, it's where my natural hair has never hurt my professional experience. So from that point on, I was like, oh, I can wear my natural hair. And whoever wants me will want me. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. If my hair is is a problem, that's their problem. That's not my problem. So, um, and I was 19, I think at the time, 19 or 20. So that was my first experience um, with like really feeling confident wearing my natural hair in a workplace. And it just kind of blossomed and branched out from there. I never felt compared to not wear a wash and go, not wear box braids, not wear the twists. However, I came to work with my hair done, like that's pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. And tying that into imposter syndrome, who I think that's some, something that women, especially Black women, deal with so often. We're always questioning our abilities and whether or not we deserve to be in the rooms that we're in. The mm-hmm. answer is you are capable, you have the abilities, and you absolutely deserve to be in every single room that you're in. And I think the best way to combat imposter syndrome is to fight those negative thoughts with the truth. So mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, my gosh, people are going to realize that, like, I don't have any true work experience here or, you know, I've only been doing freelance work or whatever the case may be, whatever insecurities you may have. Like, OK, but what's true about yourself? You've been writing for six years. So you have the writing experience. Maybe it doesn't look conventional like everyone else's career path, but that's why they want you. That's what makes you unique. So I think that um, it's natural for those negative thoughts or those like, do I belong here thoughts to pop into your mind. But it's really important to combat that with what you know to be true. And I think that that balances you and that makes you realize like, okay, like this is a reminder of who I am. Like, and I can stand in that. And I can know that my experience and my value has brought me to where I am today and no one can take that from you. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with everything Maya just said. And I think the thing about imposter syndrome is it's ironic because you're saying, why? Why do they want me in this room? You're already in the room. You're in the room. You're there. You're already there. Like there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. You are there. So you might as well make the most of your time. Um, of being in that room because obviously they see something in you that maybe you haven't quite noticed about yourself just yet, but you're there for a reason. And I think it's important um, to own up to that. And as for, I'll keep my natural hair journey portion short. Um, I went natural in 2017 and it was really like, a, you're going to get whatever comes out this bonnet kind of moment. Like I really just had the gusto. I like pumped myself up. I was like, okay, we're wearing our hair curly to work. We're doing it. We're doing it. And next thing you know, it's fine. Everyone's like, oh, you changed your hair. It looks so nice. And then, of course, you get a couple of snide comments here, there. But it was just a thank you and, like, keep it moving. And it's so much better now. And I definitely think also um, we like to have fun with our hair and we have that ability. So, like, I'm still pretty conservative in some cases. But, like, if you want to try a little color or there's a girl on my other team, um, who's not a person of color, but she had pink hair. So it was like, man, this has got to be fair game. Like if you have pink hair, I'm not going to have you fussing about my natural curly hair. Like it shouldn't be this big of an issue. Um, And like Maya said, if the company is going to balk at you because of that, you do not want to work there. That is just the foundation for a toxic and unhappy environment. Exactly. You always want to be able to enter a workplace or anywhere and show up as your full self. 
So love that you guys both share your stories. Um, I even look at natural hair as being like a staple, right? Of your, just like your overall style. Like I look at people like Elaine Welteroth and like she completely rocks it and it's like a part of her like signature look. And so I feel like sometimes it's like a signature look that you have and it's like a really good look to bring into the workplace. Um, so I kind of want to end with this question. What do you really hope that the workplace kind of changes or something that happens in the workplace this year and beyond? Um, I know that there are so many things that need to be changed as far as, you know, women and the opportunities that they have. And then another layer on that is just like women of color and the opportunities that they have. But what are some other things that you hope to change? This is such a loaded question and I'm sitting here pondering like what is what would I what am I looking what am I looking forward to in the workplace? I'm looking forward to space and the like the space for people to be themselves, however that may be. I think there's a lot of moments when corporate America tends to stifle any creativity or force you into a box and there's no reason for that. Like you're doing the most relax. It's fine. <laughs> I think that if we can get to a point where we just can allow women and people of color and women of color specifically to be themselves and bring everything that they are to the table without judgment, mm-hmm. um, I think we would be able to make so many more strides and specifically trust. Like there has not been a reason for, unless there has, I take it back. If, unless there has been a reason for you not to trust me, I don't understand what, the barriers are. So like, give me the room, give me the space to do my job because I will do it well. Um, and everyone will be okay. And uh, This is, you know, specific to, not specific to my in- industry, but my coworker had a phrase and it was, we're not saving babies. And the work that I'm doing, I am not saving any lives. We'll be okay. We'll work through it. Everything will be fine. So I think if we can um, you know, not take things so seriously and then just allow people the space to be themselves. I think we'd be much better off and see a lot of progress and a lot of creativity, honestly. Um, the a reason why a lot of organizations are failing and not doing well, if you look at what COVID did, like people are scrambling. They're not prepared for this. So space to be yourselves. And then I will always advocate for like free healthcare and workers' rights and all the good stuff, you know, like proper pay. Because I think we're, we don't put enough value on the quality of life that people are allowed to have that their salaries, you know, can foster. So that's my, I think those are my initial thoughts on that. Love that. I would say, oh, yeah, Cindy gave a great response. I would say some things that I'm looking forward to or that I would like to see change in workplaces. I would love to see managers taking like a true interest in their team's career paths. I feel like I've only had one work situation thus far where I felt like my manager wasn't just trying to check off boxes when we did like quarterly reviews or when we did monthly one-on-ones or even an annual review just to say, okay, I did this. I gave this person feedback and, you know, X, Y, Z, sent them off into the world. Um, I think it's really important to see what your team's strong points are. Like each individual has their own gifts, their own talents. And I think that it's important to help them find their direction at that company, because I think that would help people stay at companies longer. If their Mm -hmm. managers took a vested interest in the things that they're really good at, the things that they want to try and said, okay, maybe what you want to do is outside of our department, but here's what I can do. Maybe we can pair you with this person who does, um, I don't know, marketing and you can shadow them. You can learn more about the marketing department and what it takes and helping them hone in on their skills so that they can feel like they're really fulfilled in their careers. I think if more more managers did that, we would see more people, more women, more women of color, more black women matriculating throughout companies as opposed to just bouncing around. Um, Because that's one, I think millennials get a bad rap for bouncing around, but I think it's because it feels like the only person who cares about our career path is us. So if the higher ups cared then or show that they cared more, then that would be, um, I think, extremely helpful. So that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. And um, another, this is like straight up honest. I would love to see a four day work week. 
um, possibly even a six hour work day, because I feel like a lot of us spend more idle time than we need to just feeling like we have to be sitting in front of the computer. The mouse has to be moving. I think a lot of us would be so much more productive if the work week was a little bit shorter, if there was a little bit of less stress attached to work and we could enjoy our time off and you know, just get things, get things done. Like you don't need all of this time. You don't have to be working an 80 hour work week to really feel like you're productive. I feel like that's a trap. Oh, a thousand percent. And I feel like as in general, I feel like people have to eliminate hustle culture um, because they people really do feel like they need to be working 24 seven when really how many of those hours are you really being effective anyway? So love that. Um, loved everything that we have talked about on this episode so far. I'm really excited for everyone to listen and kind of just give their advice as well. Do you guys have any last thoughts? Like, is there anything that you're working on that we should know about? Let us know. Ooh, um, we have a lot of fun projects coming up for sure. Maya and I, Maya and I talked yesterday and we were like, girl, we're so busy and it's only January. <laughs> Um, really excited about everything, um, that's in the future for corporate and color. Um, and you know, you all can always keep up with us at our blog at www.corporateandcolorblog.com. Um, and then on all of our platforms, just at corporate and color, like reach out, say hello. We'd love to hear, um, your thoughts and your feedback. And I think that's what we're really looking forward to is, um, continuing to build our community. The community that we have is so engaged and just such like fun to be around. I love answering the DMs of folks. Like we're big fans of a candle brand. We love seeing pictures of like different candles and like, oh, I bought this piece or how do you think I should style this? Um, that's always just something so exciting to see that we're able to have an impact on people's lives who are women's lives specifically who are you know looking to advance their career and and look good while while doing it i love that yeah i agree um it's a second that we also would love for everyone listening to subscribe to our email list and also don't be afraid to like comment on blog posts and respond to emails because like sydney said we love chatting with people so whether it's on instagram in the comment section whether it's you responding to a newsletter saying if you felt like it was helpful if you would like to see something else from us or even commenting on a blog post we love comments on our blog posts too so any way that we can connect with people to make sure that you know, they feel seen, they feel heard. That's something that brings us a lot of joy is like knowing that people feel like they're not alone out there. Like they have someone they can relate to. So we would absolutely love to just kind of get to know everyone out there a little bit better. And we're so excited for what this year has to come. If January is any indication of how the rest of the year will go for us, like we're so excited to kick it into high gear. Yes, yes. Love that. All right, everyone, go follow them. I'm going to have all of the information in the show notes. Sydney, Maya, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to share this episode, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you so Thanks much. Us. Bye. If you're not already, be sure to follow us over on Instagram at Currently Bossing and The Boss of Inc. If you love our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Your rating helps us to reach other bosses like you who are ready to level up and reach their truest potential. Tune in every Monday for our newest podcast episodes. We'll talk to you then. Bye.